G'day and welcome to the Formula Bum podcast. This is one of our free practice episodes where we're going to go back to the middle of last year and review the 2021 Styrian Grand Prix as a little bit of a a little bit of a practice to our format and just so everyone can kind of wrap their heads around the kind of content we're aiming to produce. My name is Jacko and this week I'm joined by my friend Reese. Hey mate, how are you going? I'm going great, Jacko. A little bit tired, but Excited to be in front of a mic again. It is a surreal feeling, as you described last time, that this is actually happening. Yeah, it's nice that it's happening. I'm tired too, and I think that's probably because in our lead up to this, we both watched the wrong race. So we've had to spend all morning redoing all our notes to cover the actual same race. And then we also got distracted with the new liveries. And, and then the we spent about an hour, <laughs> an hour going over all the new cars that have come out for this year, yeah. which we will do an episode in the lead up yeah. to the new season. There's much to be talked about. Yeah, so. we're still waiting on a few more to come out so we can just kind of do it all at once. So off the top of your head, man, how was the race? Um, the race was good. Um, it looked like a sunny day in Austria. <laughs> um, the end battle was interesting. It was fun to see some strategy like that happening. And we'll talk about that when it does happen, when we talk about it. But I didn't really get into it until the first 21 laps. Yeah, you missed the start. Look, it was, I guess, in the world of Formula One, it was a race where not a huge amount happened. And most of what happened occurred in in the start, kind of five or six laps. And then nothing much until a little bit of strategy played towards the end. But you get that in the races. Austria is still a really good track and it's, um, personally, it's one of my favorites. It's very, very quick and stuff always does happen throughout the race. And I think we'll, we'll, t- we'll touch on the circuit details, but the elevation is just when you see the, some of the aerial cams and you can see the way it goes down the hill. It's just really interesting to see and does play a lot of part in the racing, I reckon. TV doesn't do a lot of justice to the severity of the slopes. No. The The Red Bull ring is built on the side of a massive hill similar to Bathurst. Now, Bathurst is more technical and more steep, but it is closer to a Bathurst-style track than it would be a flatter track, say Paul Ricard, which has yeah. two or three metres elevation. This one, you're rising upwards of 30 or 40 metres, <laughs> I think, from the bottom to the top of the track. Let's run through what the the flow of the show will be. So I guess, one, we can kind of stick to what we want to be talking about. And two, so everyone out there can kind of wrap their heads around what the style of the show will be. So we're going to begin every review with some circuit details and going through the grid. And we'll also reflect qualifying, not this episode because we just watched the race, but in the future we will discuss qualifying and the practice sessions and how that has led to the current makeup of the grid. After that, we've broken the race down into segments and we aim to talk about every driver twice. However, if nothing happens or the driver's taken out early, they'll only be mentioned for what they kind of did. So we'll begin with the first five laps and look at them quite in depth because that's where everything in the race seems to happen. After that, we'll go into the first stint, which is everything leading up to the first pit window. After that, we'll go into stint two, which will either lead into a second pit window or towards the last five laps of the race where things start to heat up a little bit again. And then after that, we'll just cover the results and reflect on what that means for the championships, the teams, and reflect on the narrative of the whole season 
and what that means for the championship and the drivers involved. So with that, let's get started. All right. I want to begin with some circuit details because the Red Bull Ring's an interesting track and the track does have a massive influence on the flow of the weekend for each team. I thought you were going to say a massive Red Bull because how does a massive Red Bull sculpture? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it is sponsored by Red Bull. It's the... I think it's called the... It is the Red Bull Ring. It is the Red Bull Ring, yes. I wanted to say the Spiel Ring, but that's somewhere else. No, it's the Red Bull Ring. So the circuit is 4.3 kilometers long and has the fewest corners out of any GP track this year with only 10 corners. And... Corner two is essentially the tiniest little kink. You don't even, <laughs> you don't even lift for it. It's uphill and it it kinks slightly to the left. It barely even counts. There's three DRS zones, which means there is plenty of opportunity for overtaking. And we did see consistent overtaking throughout this GP. I think this is why it is one of my favorites. Track is because of the the ones with three DRS zones. They there's tend to be more overtaking than than, than, than two long straights. And exactly, it's, it's an exciting track. I really do like it. Yep, top speed is 338 kilometers an hour, so it isn't the fastest top speed track. That's because it is relatively short. However, the straights on it are great for racing. The longest one being uphill, and that dampens some of the, the that will definitely dampen some of the top speed as well. Uh the lap record is. One minute and five seconds, 0.619, and that was Carlos Sainz last year. So it is a very quick lap. So they're doing 71 laps, and they're looking at just over over a minute per lap. So they get moving. Tire compounds used this weekend were the C4, the C3, and the C2, with the C2 being hard. So they were harder than average, but they didn't use the hardest tire in the compound. So we're looking at... Pirelli recommended the soft and medium would be the most effective tyres. However, in the pre-race commentary, Brundle made the comment that he was shocked that the hard wasn't being mentioned. And in the race, you saw the hard being utilised by every team at least once. So every driver, including... Yeah, every driver used the hard tyre as well. That's the track information. Have you got anything to add to that, mate? No, that's a great overview. Yeah, that's... I I mean, (laughs) that's me pretty much just writing down and recording exactly what they say (laughs) in the preamble of the show. But I think it's important too. It's a reminder of what sort of track we're racing on and what sort of racing to expect from the drivers because it is three DR zones, which are quite fast straights, a lot of tight corners, but the middle corners Uh, are very fast and sweeping. The fourth corner, after the third corner up the hill, and then the sharp corner, I reckon, is a great play for late overtaking and, and effectiveness. And then you go around the corner and you go down the hill with the big, too long... Sweeping is great for um, overtaking it and really getting good racing in. Yeah, four, five, six, and seven are really, really fast bends. Mm, yeah. Less so than corners, and they make oh, for yeah. great racing. All right, let's jump into the grid. Yeah, let's go. The grid order for this race was Max Verstappen on pole position with Lewis Hamilton in second, with Lando Norris and Sergio Perez in third and fourth. And it was important to see that Checo had actually outqualified Bottas, so he's in a better position to do the team play, and that is really the story of this race. There was Red Bull got the team management strategy right. In fifth, you had Bottas and Gasly. Gasly consistently qualifying top six throughout all of 2021. Leclerc, Alonso, Stroll, Russell in 10th. Mr. Saturday. Mr. Saturday. Sonoda, Sainz, Ricardo, Vettel, Giovinazzi, Latifi, 
Ocon, Raikkonen, Schumacher, and Mazepin. I think the standout there is Sainz and Ricardo are both significantly down from where they should have been yeah. compared to their teammates with Norris qualifying in third and Leclerc in seventh. Yeah. So they should be, yeah. Six should be significantly higher, but they're they're still finding their cars that the because this is early in the racing season. Yeah, it's starting to get towards the middle. So I think yeah. at this point they've done five or six yeah. previous Grand Prix. However, we know that throughout last year that the McLaren braking system and how all that was involved caused Daniel Ricciardo to struggle, and signs. It was more a victim of the Ferrari. Leclerc is famous for being the shitbox whisperer. He, for shit some box. reason, he can get that Ferrari to work. Le, uh, he had a great race. He had a great race. Um, he well, I don't don't know if we watched the end, but I'm guessing he got racer of the day. He did get driver of the day. We will talk about Leclerc. He's one of the drivers I wanted to break down specifically because yeah. this was a particularly good race for Leclerc, but also has some very, very uh, strong reminders of behaviours he's shown in the past. So we'll get into him soon. But yeah, we'll see We'll throughout last year, because we've got the benefit of looking back on hindsight yeah. now, these storylines changed and we found reasons for all of them. But that's the grid. Tire choice was Max and Lewis on the mediums, Norris and Checo on the softs, Bottas and Gasly... Well, Bottas took the mediums. Gasly took the softs. Leclerc, Alonso, and Stroll took softs. Russell took mediums. Sonoda and took softs. Sainz took mediums. Ricardo, Vettel, Giovinazzi, Latifi, and Ocon took mediums. Raikkonen was the only person to start on hards in 18th. And Schumacher and Mazepin were also on the mediums. So... Majority split towards mediums with a few people on softs and then one person on hards. And tyres have a massive effect in Austria. It is a tyre-limited track. Okay. And you mean that by, depending on the temperature and the wear and what's on it, you have to stick by a certain tyre choice? Um, The track is a very fast track with hard braking, and then quite a few fast corners. So tyre degradation can be quite severe depending on your driving style. So tyre choice has a massive play because depending on how you drive and the weather conditions, but by the nature of the track, the how you use your tyres is the biggest limiting factor. So that early decisions on softs and mediums and how you can get to the designated pit window for you in relation to your overall race strategy in comparison to your rivals is something that needs to be... And I think you hear it when they you hear the teams talk and they were like, oh, this is the crucial time to push in this strategy. Yeah. And, and after they, they either pit or, or at certain times in when their tyre is worn. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why it's a tyre-limited track. So depending yeah, on what track. moves you make with your tyres and where you get to pit in relation to your rivals really sets up the latter stage of the race. And with how much the field spread throughout the Austrian GP too, how your pit strategy can interfere with back markers really starts to eat up the seconds, especially if the racing's close. Not super close this GP with 
a lot of with how much Max ran away with it in the end. We all know that. Um, But in closer races, yeah, it can really, really make or break those few points. So I think we just get straight into the first five laps. Yeah, let's go. All right. Right from the beginning, Max gets the whole shot and he gets in front. So he takes the first corner and closes the door towards Lewis. That's relatively stable. They kind of race off together in a bit of a train. From third place towards the back is where everything gets a bit more mental. So I'm going to check some of my notes here. Norris goes wide because Sergio Perez bumps him off or moves right to the edge of the track and pushes him wide and it doesn't really affect the position. Leclerc goes wide and he has front wing damage. So there's suspected collision there. Now we don't really know what's happening yet because all the replays and camera angles haven't come through, but Leclerc goes off the track and has um, significant front wing damage. So he's been hit. Norris rejoins the track and gets in third. So he's behind Max and Lewis. Leclerc hits at the end of the first lap. Now all the rest of the races and drivers are starting to unbunch themselves and sort of get into a bit of a line. And at the end of lap one, the top 10 drivers are Verstappen, Hamilton, Norris, Perez, Bottas, Stroll, Alonso, George Russell, Daniel Ricciardo, and Yuki Tsunoda coming over the line. Whoa. A few spaces up from Ricciardo. So Ricciardo jumped four, three or four spots in the first lap. And you see that with a couple of drivers. A few drivers made a significantly ripper start. Uh, Gasly's down 14 positions, so it's alleged that he is involved in the contact with Leclerc, and as we get more angles on it, it was a significant bump-to-bump involving, I think, five drivers Gasly ended up connecting with. So he, in the first lap, managed to bump a quarter of the field, (laughs) which is pretty good. It's a good ratio. It's a good ratio. It's a good it's it's a good amount of cars to hit. Raikkonen's up five spots, so he makes a jump, and Ricardo is up the four places on the first lap as well. Gasly pits and retires. So as he's coming in, the back left wheel is punctured and also completely torn from the suspension and sort of resting up on the chassis of the car. So he is out completely. And the Williams of Nicholas Latifi also suffers a puncture. But we still haven't had proper vision on the incident yet. By lap three, Verstappen's 1.4 seconds up on Hamilton. So he is out in front and he is pushing. Hamilton is trying to stay behind, but Verstappen is overtook him. Verstappen got the lead. Oh, okay. He started in the lead. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he and, said yeah. Lewis, but... If I said Lewis, I meant Max. And if I said <laughs> Max, I was right all along. <laughs> but Verstappen's 1.4 seconds out in front. Fastest lap at this point is 1.09 seconds. So, fastest lap of all times, 1.05 seconds. And what we're seeing at this point is the effect of having the cars full of petrol. Um, DRS has only just come on. A lot of cars are sitting in dirty air and you're also seeing a slight amount of management. Because Grand Prix weekends and racing is so long, the strategy 
or certain parts of the race strategy require drivers to drive at a reduced pace to ensure not only the tires, but the, the fuel will last the full length of the GP. Because the cars are fueled to the absolute bare minimum and the tires are supposed to last the absolute maximum, the cars are right on the edge. And sometimes they get it wrong and cars run out of petrol or they run out of tyres or tyres pop like we saw in Baku a few weeks before this race that had a massive effect on the championship. So the cars are running about four seconds slower than their maximum pace at this point in time. You hadn't watched the race at this point, were you? No, I'm quite silent here. I'll get into lap lap 21. Lap 20. All right, we're Mm. nearly there. So at the end of lap five, the running is Verstappen, Hamilton, Norris, and they're in a leadership group they've got a significant lead at this point Perez Bottas Stroll Alonso Russell Ricardo Sonoda Sainz Vettel Raikkonen Ocon Giovinazzi Mazepin Schumacher Leclerc Latifi and Gasly has retired movers and shakers in the first five laps we had Stroll going up three places I mentioned Stroll because this race, he was actually in the points from start to finish and Think made that. a few moves, didn't go backwards much. It was a pretty decent race for Aston Martin. Ricardo was up four spots from his start on an incredible first lap. Raikkonen was up five on the hard tyres, which is pretty interesting. A lot of people Very around him was on the mediums, but up five spots. Yeah, He is that good, though. He is. He's just that nice good. Nice, man. Ocon was up three spots. He doesn't, he doesn't normally do much, but it also showed that the Alpine had a bit of pace that weekend. Yeah, but you also have to give one place away for Gasly going out and them just getting one there. Yeah, pretty is, much everybody jumped up yeah. one because Gasly was in... <laughs> Fourth, I think he was. Six. Oh, six. He, six he started and oh, he was probably... Yeah. I think he was there when he got hit because Leclerc was in seventh or eighth and Leclerc hit him. Yeah. Mazepin was up four spots. So that's yeah. one for Gasly, but three for racing, which is pretty significant. Yeah. It's good to see, which was interesting because this was also the weekend that his team principal, Gunter Steiner, gifted him a spinning top because he'd always spun in the races. (laughs) And this was one of his clean races. Towards the end, he dropped right back down. He ended up coming in last, but he did make some moves towards the beginning. It was probably because he would burn his tires out, I'd say. And that's where I think I jumped in lap 21 when they were, he was, it seemed like he was competitive. He probably took that by heart, but it was funny when they did get Gunther on the radio and he made comments. Yep. (laughs) Mazepin was up four. Leclerc was down 11 based on his contact with Gasly and then Gasly bumped into Latifi and someone else. Norris, I think as well. Latifi was down three, punctured tire, so he had to pit. And Gasly was down 14 from where he started and he'd retired. So now we will move into the first stint where, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but not a huge (laughs) amount happened. So the first stint is everything leading up to when the majority of cars begin the pit window and the tyre change because that's normally where we see a significant shake-up in the running order and we get to see a little bit of strategy at play. I've blocked this section off and I think we should always talk about it because, one, it's where we kind of just wait until the strategy comes into effect and this time not much happened. This is where you jumped in. Yeah, this is where I jumped in and... I need to, 
I used to, before getting onto watching the full race, I used to watch highlights and you really miss this bit and not the first in, but the, the pit walk, the getting into the, the waiting for this strategy and it is quite exciting. Yeah, still plenty happened. So Daniel Ricciardo, right at the start of this, got passed by Sonoda, Sainz, Vettel and Raikkonen and he dropped straight down to 13th place. And then a few laps later, over the radio came the fact that he'd lost power and recovered. So something in his McLaren died at one point and caused him to drop significantly down the order. And he never really recovered from there. So even though McLaren got on the radio and said the power had recovered, I think it had only recovered to a point of stability, not to a point of where they could really ramp it up for attacking. Because that's kind of where he just sat for the rest of the race. Max had a 2.7 second lead on Lewis at this point. So lap on lap, he's gaining a few tenths of a second, building a lead. Lewis is sticking nearby, but kind of just staying within attack range if there is an opportunity. Norris is 10 seconds behind Hamilton at this point. So the two guys have made a significant jump out the front of the track, and that's not uncommon. Norris at this point, though, is holding up Bottas and Perez, who are in the same car, who by every right can be matching those speeds. And with the McLaren having a slight power dip with Daniel Ricciardo, it wouldn't surprise me if they maybe gave Lando Norris maybe a click down just to make sure his car could last the GP because he was in a really, really good position. Yeah, and I think he did start to drop a bit. He did because straight after that on lap 10, Perez overtakes Norris on turn three yeah. with with DRS support. So DRS is in full effect on this and we do see a couple of DRS trains starting to develop at this point. Bottas also overtakes Norris in the exact same move as Perez from the lap before. So it's an exact, an exact clone. Of the same move. Norris doesn't even put up much of a defense. Uh, McLaren, I think, realized their race was for... Their race is with Ferrari and with... With the, Ferrari and that and maintaining... Series. And it's not so much, yeah, Red Bull and Mercedes. Yeah, and maintaining a fourth is a pretty damn good position to yeah. be in. At this point, we get our first sort of radio interlude from race control. And we and from the pit lane. So we don't have Ted this time. We have Paul DeResta in the pit lane and we have Anthony Davidson at Sky Race Control. And Paul DeResta and Anthony Davidson mentioned the fact that on the long straights, Daniel Ricciardo is pulling out of the slipstream of the cars in front and that that normally means there is an overheating issue with the car. So a Formula One car is air-cooled, but not in the traditional sense like our modern daily drives. No, they don't have a fans blowing it in there like our car does. Exactly. You can't just let it sit there and run. It will overheat. You need that airflow coming in yep. from going fast. The only way they're cooled is by driving through the air really, really quickly. <laughs> and the air behind F1 cars is very, very hot and very, very turbulent. And that causes, one, the, the, the chasing car to start to cook and melt and... <laughs> The engine begins to eat itself. Uh, And two, the hot, dirty air makes driving 
the vehicle quite unstable. And when you pair that with tire degradation, it can be a very nervous corner entry chasing another car because you don't quite have the grip and your tires are starting to slip away. And that's probably why this section of the race is a little bit more subdued than the other ones because tires are starting to wear down, long lines of cars are forming, everybody just kind of wants to make it to the strategy plays because there's it's a long race, as everyone says. It's 71 laps. It's a long time. Yep. You need to make it to the end. Russell's cruising in the points. <laughs> He's sitting in eighth, which is good. At this point, he hadn't scored any World Driver Championship points in the Williams. So this was still before he'd broken his dry spell. He's cruising in the points. He's looking quite good. It is a little bit of foreshadowing for what happens later in the race for our poor boy George in about 15 laps. But he's looking good. And the car was looking good. He's up two positions at that point. Science is in 10th. Leclerc's right back. Possibly last at this point. This was when Ferrari hadn't had their engine upgrade that they got towards the end of last year. This was when Ferrari was regularly qualifying out of the top 10, missing Q1. Ferrari was slow at this race on paper. They ended up coming back very, very strong. But before we saw the Ferrari upgrades from the end of last year, Ferrari was really, really struggling in the middle of the pack. McLaren was beating them consistently. And then they managed to flip the script. But it was interesting knowing at the start towards the midpoint of 2021 that Ferrari was not even looked at in contention for podiums. They'd had one or two at that point. I know Charles got one at Monaco. And in the end, they got third in construction. They did end up clinching third right towards the end. And that's where they're fine for. And another interesting thing I noticed at this point of the race is that the five back cars... So from 20th to 15th were all Ferrari-powered engines. And then you had the two, um, you had one of the Williams, Latifi, directly in front of that. The Mercedes. But the Ferrari engine itself was fundamentally slower towards the beginning of last year. There was something that they didn't quite get right in the original development. Okay. And it was really, really evident in their feeder teams or not necessarily one of them's the feeder team Haas is their junior team at the moment but in their I guess customer teams would be the right term for it the guys who are buying their engines using their engines so yeah the bottom five were all Ferrari cars it was speaking to the the issue of the Ferrari power unit at that point in time Russell was catching Alonso but then we started to get some radio message hinting that there may be a bit of a problem. He was told they were going to switch to plan B and that he wouldn't be able to push and that he would have to slow down a little bit and get ready to possibly come into the pits. While that was occurring, the wind started to pick up and the weather started to come over a little bit. So the day started very sunny but there was a very small risk of rain. So this is when the discussion of the wind and the rain began to come into the commentary and then began to get picked up by the teams and the driver radios. So Max Verstappen nearly got blown off track around one of the corners on a massive gust of wind. Lap 19, we had both Max and Lewis begin to mention their tyre struggles. So this had been, what, 14 laps of 
Not a huge amount. And how long are those? Because they're on the mediums. They were both on the mediums and, and they, they were also the tyres they qualified in Q2 on. Yeah. So and they last about 20 laps or? I think they can last up to about 28 yeah. to 30. Okay, yeah. They were already five laps old before they began the race and now it was lap 19. So they were probably 20, uh, yep. 21, 22 laps old. And the start of the race, you are also pushing a little bit and you do get more wheel spin. So they'd probably taken a slight bite out of them too. Yeah. And that's what you're saying about the circuit. And you, when you're pushing hard, it does where it could wear out. And then that's where it, where it plays on the strategy. Yeah. And Lewis is very, very famous for always complaining about his tires. They'll be bad, they'll be bad, they'll be bad, they'll be bad. He'll do a faster slap and he'll do two overtakes and his tyres are dying. What was interesting about this time is both Lewis and Max came on the radio on the same lap and went, hey guys, we are starting to feel a little bit of tyre slip. So they were moving in sync with their tyre deck. So Red Bull's strategy to jump straight out in front and run away with it didn't quite pay off. Mercedes fallback plan of saying, let's just stick with him. Let's see if we can just hang around there. Was working because they were digging at the same time and he was still about five seconds behind. I think he was 4.8 seconds behind at this time. So he was still within a pit stop range. Yeah. They came on and they were talking about it. You can always tell not much is going on with the race is when, when Crofty and Brundle start to waffle on and tell anecdotes. <laughs> I've written here, at one point Crofty talks about the wind and how... If we put up a bunch of cows on the side of the hills, we can tell if the rain's coming, if they lay down, and if they get blown over, it's really, really windy. And then this somehow led on to a discussion about the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> and I don't remember exactly what they got into because I was kind of just sitting down and writing the fact that you know it's the boring in the trenches part of the race when Crofty bangs on about some random bullshit. <laughs> uh, camera quickly cuts away from the hills and the cows to... Mick Schumacher nearly taking out Mazepin. Oh, yep. This is where I jump in. Sort yep. Of. That's where you mainly <laughs> jumped in. Um, Gunter Steiner comes on the radio. They ask him about it. Paul Gunter. That's all I have to say about the <laughs> whole situation. forced into the situation. Yep. Paul oh. Gunter. <laughs> he has two rookie drivers in the worst car we've seen on a Formula One grid in years. By far. But even, yeah, they're not for this from this season. They're from last year's seasons there. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a hard position to be in. Yep. And the Haas team is a racing team. They yeah. really when they first came into the sport, I think in their second season, they came fifth in the constructors championship. Yeah, great. Out of ten. They're they are a competitive racing outfit. COVID has really affected them. Their whole plan. Yeah. Cause that, that second season was two thousand and nineteen, I'm quite sure. And no. Or 18? 19 was a particularly bad year. 19 was the year they had the oh. Haas Rich Energy deal and it was the black and gold yeah, car, mm. which is mm. a beautiful liveried oh. car, but they it. had some fundamental errors with, I believe it was the aero that year. And they knew what the errors were, but they just couldn't quite get the production to get them fixed. And then leading that into 2020, they had the designs ready to produce and then COVID kicked in it towards the end of the year and they never manufactured them. And that's why the 2021 car was still such a slow product because the initial issues from 2019, the solutions, Absolute, yeah. which Solution. had been designed, could never be manufactured <laughs> to fix it. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't, yeah. 
And which is interesting for next year because Haas has had a massive change in their design and manufacturing team yeah. and workflow. So that, those sorts of design flaws in their uh, engineering and producing have been fixed. So and hopefully. They, yeah. And the new car does look very sexy and we'll do another episode for that. So Yeah, we'll definitely talk about the cars. That. Verstappen has a five-second lead on lap 22, and the field is spread by over a minute at this point. So we're going to start to see back markers coming into play and people the discussion overlapped. on blue flags, Yep, and people getting overlapped and, in rare cases, unlapping themselves. Mazepin is the first person to pit without an incident because Leclerc's pitted already. Uh, and that's on lap 23, and he goes on to hard. So let's move into the pit window segment. Are we talking about the whole pit window, or we're we just going to keep running through the race? Uh, we can do the whole pit window. I've got here that it begins on lap 23, and it ends on lap 33. So we see the majority of cars slide into the pits within 11 laps. At this point, lap 23, the running order is... Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas, Norris, Stroll, Alonso, Russell, Sonoda, Sainz, Vettel, yeah. Raikkonen, Ricardo, Ocon, Leclerc, Giovinazzi, Mick Schumacher, Mazepin, and Latifi. Not a huge amount of change from the start of the race. <laughs> Bit of a parade at this point. Here's where we get a huge amount of a mix-up, and I'm not going to go through the race order heaps during this segment because it changes quite a lot. Lap 24, Giovinazzi pits for hards. We don't get to see that one on the race broadcast. Lewis nearly bins it. He does. On turn five. He saves it like a boss, though. Incredible save. Yeah. His left front tire dips just into the gravel pit. And I tell you what. And and that's one of those big wide corners where it would be, you're going down the hill and that's a bend. And if you're really pushing it, then it's going to be sliding out. It's very easy to lose it there because it is an incredibly fast, long sweeping and Especially bend. when your tyres are degrading at the end of the life. Yep. And you're, yeah, you're trying to keep up with Max. Yep. Yep. Perfect. And, that, and that's where those mistakes happen. But that's also what separates drivers like Max and Lewis and those guys who are better than the rest is. When those little errors pop up, they're cool as a cucumber. They solve them and they move on like there was no effect. Lewis did that and it nothing really changed. If we didn't see that on camera, we never would have noticed. I don't even reckon he lost much time from it. I don't think so. It might have... I'm guessing the tyres were degradating, but it maybe pushed the pit stop maybe a few laps earlier because of the gravel on the tyre causing vibrations because he did mention something about vibrations um, soon after. He does. He ended up coming in on lap 29. So that's what five laps after the the near off, which makes sense for what you're saying. Lap 26 is where it starts to get very busy. So I have a good chunk here of everyone who comes in. From lap 26 to lap 29, the majority of drivers come in. Lap 26, Russell comes in, gets the hard. It's a slow pit stop. And it, we notice that his mechanics are doing something near the right side pod with hoses. It's alleged that it might be hydraulic or pneumatic. Comes over the radio that it is. He is losing hydraulic pressure in some of his systems and they needed a top up, which is quite devastating because he's running in a good spot. His pit stop was 18.3 seconds. So that instantly dropped him out of the points and right back into the lower midfield. 
Lap 27, Prez pits, 4.8 seconds, slow on the back rear. Oh, yeah. Uh, the pit stop person was pretty devastating in himself. There's a little view afterwards. Head, I mean... Head in his hands. Red Bull does pride themselves on the efficiency of their pit stops. They are the best. They are the zero gravity. Yep. They did the zero gravity pit stop, which is one of the coolest videos of F1 media I've ever seen. And they are. They're, they're the team that if any team gets a sub two-second pit stop, it's normally Red Bull. They have the most of them. And then they really pride themselves on it, especially with Red Bull's whole push that making... 2021, their main push for a world championship, having Perez in a position to really play the team game. There was a lot riding on that pit stop, and they only got it a little bit wrong. Yeah. But, yeah, today they got it right. Oh, no, they got it wrong. They got it wrong this time, but but it didn't affect the race a huge amount in the end. No. They managed to cruise through the race completely fine. However, he did take it very seriously. Uh that did mean he came out in the race running order behind Bottas and Norris. So he did end up losing two places from it. However, in the end, not a huge deal, but big deal at the time in the running order. Lap 27 also saw Latifi and Sonoda pit for the hards. Lap 28 was Bottas pitting for the hards in 2.6 seconds. So pretty bang on average pit stop. Russell comes in to pit again. And he's now running in last. So whatever was going on with the hydraulic or pneumatic issue was getting worse. So it must be seriously leaking something. Lap 28 also saw Vettel and Alonso come in and they both went onto the hards. Lap 29, Hamilton came in, um, went onto the hards and he did it in 2.2 seconds. Very clean. So very, very neat pit stop there from the Mercedes team. At this point, I don't think Russell exits the pits. He now retires for a technical issue, which was sad because he was running in eighth. Yeah. And then the week later, he was running in ninth and Alonso pips him (laughs) for the point again. So it is, as much as I do kind of enjoy Russell not getting any points and watching that streak go, because it's always fun to lean in and laugh (laughs) at those sorts of things. That would be absolutely devastating having the car just let go from that position. Because no he was in the clear. Yeah. And that's all you have to, you have to drive. That's your one job. Yep. And when he's doing that well, it is kind of sad to see that opportunity is taken away from him where yep. he can actually yeah, prove himself and get an accolade that he deserves. Exactly. Lap 29 also saw Stroll come in with a 2.2 second stop and Max Verstappen pit with a two second stop. On the dot. It was gorgeous. Um, Which saw Max and Lewis come out first and second. So there was no change there. They had such a significant gap that their stops were free. They just went in and went out. No real change there. Max technically got the point two of a second up on him due to the the quick pit stop. But Max had five or or six seconds in hand, regardless of that situation. every lap. Yep. Uh, Lap 32... Norris came in and pitted for the hards. Yeah, 2.3 seconds. He came out sixth. Yeah. And that's when I think that's when you see most of the people that you hadn't pit stop. It was that big DRS zone that were battling for, I think it was seventh place. Yeah, there was a good Ra- chunk. And, um, yeah, we had 
we we called the end of the pit stop window at lap 33 because 15 drivers had pitted. There were only five people who hadn't, and that was Signs, Raikkonen, and Ricardo, Ocon, and Mick Schumacher. And I believe four of those five were directly in line with each other. Yeah. And then they pitted over the next probably a, remarkably we called the end of the pit stop and then the next lap there was like two pit stops. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm happy where we call it. About 15 drivers is, I think, where we're going to call it each week. That's the majority. Yeah. And, and when, big yeah. shake-up. Yeah, when you see other people doing uh, forced pit stops at the start as well. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's jump onto our stint two, which leads in towards the back end of the race. Okay. After the uh, first pit stop window, the running order is Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas, Sergio Perez, Sainz, Norris, Raikkonen, Ricardo, Leclerc, Ocon, Stroll, Alonso, Sonoda, Vettel, Giovinazzi, Schumacher, Mazepin, and Latifi. And that's at the halfway point of the race. So that's the running order. Um, lap 35, Schumacher pits. And there is a 20-second gap between... Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton and the rest of the pack. So they they have a 20-second bracket out in front. Um, with the 20 seconds, and if you can make it hopefully 25 seconds, um, that means you can play your own strategy at the front and that, t- that front pack can play strategy and doesn't matter if third and fourths because they can pit stop and maybe put the softs on and then try gain them or, or something like that. And that does play out. Yeah, pretty much and you're that far yeah. out ahead now. You get you get a free choice of what you want to do in in any given strategy. You got a free choice. Lap thirty seven, uh Riken and Ocon come into the pits as well. And I think Ocon goes for the hards and Raikkonen goes for the mediums because he was the only driver to start on the hards. So his hard set lasted 37 laps. So that's the longest. By this stage of the race, from the camera shots, the off track was really, really dirty. Covered in marbles and debris from all the contact, which essentially means for a driver that certain limits of the track or certain areas and corners of the track are off limits to be off the established racing line because the heat of the tires and the coarseness of the rubber marbles, which are tire scraps that ball up and fall off the tires as they physically get eaten away by the... Get scrubbed sideways yep. and then roll up and just fall off. Fall off. They will actually reattach themselves to the hot rubber and cause vibrations. Yeah. Now, vibrations in a Formula 1 car because of the suspension setup cause the whole car to shake aggressively. One, that means your vision gets a bit garbled up. But two, it can affect your downforce because the car is now moving differently through the air. And three, it makes it very, very uncomfortable and hard to corner because it's like you're driving over bumps. So halfway through the race, a good chunk of the track was marbled up and off limits to be off the racing line. And that's also why you see the cars form and stick into the, the the racing packs because going offline, even though that's where you can get an overtake done, picking up all those marbles or chances are running over the debris will cause a greater loss in time than you would by gaining by sticking your nose out there and trying to get stuck in to the uh, person in front of you. Lap 38, Leclerc pits. 
and he's made a significant jump up, this is actually where Russell comes into the pit. So he does leave the pits again. And this is where he comes in and he is retired. So everything we said before this go around. applies to this moment in time. So it's still true, just not for when we said it. It's now true for now. So now we feel bad for George about five minutes ago. You could see him cry a little bit through his helmets. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. I get it, man. Like, that would be devastating. That would be. I was young once. Yep. Uh, Danny Ricardo is the last person to pit with Carlos Sainz, and that is lap 43. So that's the last pit stop we see. They both come out on the hards. Around this time, you see Leclerc. Do you want to talk about Leclerc? Because Leclerc's on an absolute rip and tear at this it, point. Yeah, because it goes over a few laps because he's just ripping and tearing through the fields. He's on a he has a different strategy because of the early pit stop. Yep. So he's he's on the medium tires, the yellow ones. I always get them mixed mediums, up. Yeah, yeah, mediums. yeah, yeah. Um, and he's just tearing up the field. It's it's really cool to see. At this point in the race, both Ferraris were making moves. Yeah. This whole back end of the race leading into the last five or so laps, the only people doing anything were the Scuderias, the Ferraris. They were on an absolute belter. So, Sainz started in 12th and he was driving in 7th. He ends up getting past Stroll into 6th around this time as well. So, up 6 places. Yeah, he's up he's up 6 places. Sainz is so smooth, so cool and collected. He is just Mr. Consistent. He's my favorite driver. Yeah. I think he's just, yeah, so cool, collected, and just determined as well. Lion. Very determined. He's, he's, and very, very likable. I mean, he's respected by most F1 fans around the grid because he rarely, rarely is involved in any drama. Um, And he just gets out there and drives like the Ferrari wasn't the best car at that point in the year. Leclerc is a pretty special kid when it comes to what he's capable of. Speaking of Leclerc, though, this race, we got to see what happens when Leclerc makes a mistake. So when Leclerc doesn't go well from the start, he kind of puts the uh, the red goggles on and goes a little bit crazy. He caused the incident towards the start of the race, causing him to go in for an early pit stop. He's fighting his way up very, very aggressively. On a few passes, he passes Raikkonen and Raikkonen complains because he knocks Raikkonen's end front wing plate off. Yeah. And then on a couple of other overtakes, he is very, very close to causing a collision, yeah. which is fine. It's it's hard racing and you really like seeing it. But it's this interesting alter ego you see of Leclerc. When he starts in third and he gets a little bit of space, he just flicks on Mr. Cruise mode and he just he goes the same as Carlos and just vibes his way through the weekend and collects a bunch of points. When something goes wrong at the start, all of that goes out the window and he becomes a rage head. But he does get it done because he ends up fighting back into what, fifth or sixth towards the end there, I think. Because at this point, lap 50, he moves into the points. Yeah, He gets Vettel for 10th and moves into the points. Vettel's doing fine. That Aston hung around the middle pack for most of the race. We got the first interruption from Crofty around this point from the broadcast. I don't know if you picked up on this. We got the first two seconds. No, I didn't pick up on this. Paul DeResta came in on the radio 
and Crofty hit him with the two seconds poor, and it caused me a little bit of a chuckle. And what I've written here is two seconds poor, good. Two seconds, Ted, bad. I don't like when Krasinski, Ted, gets interrupted. He's very well, interesting. Is this when the radio comes on and he goes, oh, two seconds, Paul, and then, yep. and then it's like, yeah, Toto, not Toto, yep. Wolf, but yeah. At, at this time, it was Lewis. It's normally Lewis. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm fine with certain members of the broadcast getting interrupted and being told to shut up. Yeah. I'm not okay with others, Ted being the main one. I think he's fascinating. Me too. But I think Ted doesn't know Lewis his voice is about to come over. Not at all. And Crofty can't stop that. No, and they don't know either. It literally just pops up. That's TV direction, I think, who does that. At this point in the race, this is around lap 50, the chance of rain starts being discussed, seriously, that it may or may not come. Now, this is 20 laps out. It's significant because everybody at this point is settling in for the 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 middle run of their tires. You even see the Mercedes. Um, I think they were ten seconds or maybe seven seconds behind. But they were saying to Hamilton, "All right, we're going to just settle in for second. Look after your tires. Let's just get home safe." They pretty much said, "You're going to come second without using the word second because you don't say that <laughs> to Sir Lewis Hamilton. He hates it, which is also <laughs> speaks to his level of competitiveness. Yeah, competitiveness. he was very confused at one stage of, of saying, "Why, like, why are you giving me information?" And yeah, yeah. Uh, so rain is being discussed. It's, it is significant because at this point in your tie strategy, you've just done your pit stop. You're in, well, let's get ready for the end of this race strategy mode. Not holy crap. Do we come in? Do we come out? Will it be enough to cause us to come and come out? Because if it's only rains a little bit and you go in and now you're on 16th and you're on tires that are ineffective, that's your weekend over yeah. and vice versa. Like what we saw with Norris Russia last year, yeah. where he stayed out and it ended up causing him to lose first place. Yeah. It's a very nerve, nerve-wracking part of a race strategy weekend when there is the risk of rain. Yes, and that's the one thing you can't uh, can't predict. It, it, it is It throws the ash out and then you can do whatever strategy you want. But when the rain comes, your strategy changes and no one can tell you if that rain is coming or if it's going to stick around enough for the, another strategy to play out. Exactly, and at this point, we heard uh, Max come on the radio and mention that some of the ripple curves were starting to cause vibrations and slight damage to his vehicle. Uh, and what that brings up is a discussion based around on the ever, ever controversial track limits. Yes, because I was because Lewis got two warnings. Lewis got warnings for track limits on turn ten, and that has the ripple curve. The ripple curves are the the sideways uh, speed They're the bumps. red and white ones that are ridged. Yeah. And when the cars go over them, it makes quite a um, rumbly noise. Yeah. They're, they're quite loud. The sausage curbs are the bright yellow ones, yeah. which are like a thick sausage wrapped around the edge yeah. of a track. Max but was... So, and then with the ripple curves, your tyre can be on the ripple curves, but your tyre can't be outside the line. All right. Is that... The track limits? Um, track yeah. limits work based off the whole vehicle approach. So at any given time, at least one part of your vehicle must remain within track limits at all times. Meaning you can have three wheels outside the designated track limit, but as long as you're inside them with one part of your vehicle, and it's always hard to just do one. So by having one wheel in, you normally have 50% of the car in, but on some corners, they only have one in. Yeah. Um, if 
one if 100 percent of your car goes beyond the designated track limit and this is the controversial bit is some people prefer the track limit to be the white line inside the curb and other people view the outside of the physical sausage curb or the ripple curb as the limit of the track and each race track and marshals have different delineations on where the track limit is and we saw in numerous races in 2021 the track limits change between sessions as in we'll adjust this one yeah driving on the curb around turn 10 completely legal in this race it was causing issues with max's car so he was told under brakes on turn 10 where you're placing your car is causing issues so let's cut that out lewis got done for extending his car beyond the limits of the curbs on turn 10 more than twice and if you do it more than twice you'll be given a penalty and if you do it more than that you'll be disqualified from the gp as we mentioned early ferraris were the only cars to be making moves in this period so they were consistently every couple of laps gaining a place or two so they were moving up into the points at this time Lap 55, Perez makes a strategy decision and he makes a second pit stop to switch to the mediums. Yeah, yeah I believe he had a fresh set of mediums available for the fastest lap. And that was with 16 laps to go. Yeah. And he does get but the fastest he, lap. Oh, no, he doesn't because... He does at this point. Oh, Hamilton this point, yes, does yes. steal it back and yeah. claim the fastest but lap. Do you reckon this was a strategy also because they were all always going to be in fourth behind Bottas? Um, do you think that their strategy to put this, the other tyres on that were uh, faster to gain Bottas? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That would have... that. I don't think that was the major move for it. Yeah, okay. I think the major move for it was let's snag the point right. and we have a window... Let's go for it anyway. And it did it did put uh Perez in a significantly advantageous spot to push to pinch Bottas. Like they went they were wheel to wheel around the last corner on the yeah. last lap. So yeah, definitely because of that. And it did snagging that one point, as we saw, the championship did kind of come down <laughs> to one <laughs> point. So like <laughs> when they said that it like throughout the season, you're like, Yeah, yeah, but it when it came to it. It actually it, does. Um, yeah, we yeah. were proven. <laughs> Towards the end of this year, that 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 one point is uh is very valuable. So it was a it was a really good strategy choice from Red Bull. And Perez is that good of a driver that he is available to be a, a really, really effective strategy driver because he is consistent. He's like science. He's yeah. he's he really put good. into a situation and he drives. He, 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 yeah, <laughs> and he drives well. Oh, yeah. If he needs to defend, he can defend. If he needs to attack, he can attack. Yep. By lap 57, Max was eight and a half seconds out in front of Lewis. Mm. And by that stage, they were well into going through the back markers. So they were already yeah. chopping their way through the grid. Uh, Perez snags the fastest lap at that point. So on lap 57, he does put in the quickest time. Lewis is warned on lap 57 for his track limit violations at turn 10. So that's, that's, the, that's the happening lap of yeah. this segment. Lap 60... Leclerc passes Stroll for seventh and he sits behind Leclerc in sixth, which for the how they qualified and how a lot of the cars were racing, Ferrari was in a really, really good position that weekend. Yeah, they did a great job. At 10 laps to go, Max has an 11-second lead and is growing every lap. So by this stage, Red Bull were 
I would say probably 85% confidence yeah. that Max had run away with the race at this and point. And the other 15% was to rain, I'm guessing, because there was more talk about, you start to hear the drivers talk about, oh, is that rain, is that rain? And then I'm pretty sure we even saw a camera shot of the radar on one of the computer screens. Yeah, they had a little it, look in the, on yeah, the pit wall. It didn't wall. seem like there was much rain. No, they looked like <laughs> one cloud. Yeah. However, we know that small clouds can drop a huge amount of rain. Especially on the side of a mountain. And it blows yep. up there and starts condensating. Yep. And what I wanted to bring up is this is kind of where we saw what I think we can now realize is one of the first cracks in the Mercedes strategy. They were kind of paralyzed for a good couple of laps here where Red Bull had made a move and Mercedes didn't really do anything to cover it. You could have had Bottas drop back and go back and play blocker or go for fastest lap. Lewis wasn't gaining on Max. It would, it just kind of looked like they were a little bit stuck, that there was a decision that they normally would have capitalized on and they just didn't do anything with it. And Mercedes last year, we did see a few cracks in their strategy and decision-making process when Red Bull had the double driver combo because for the last three or four years before 2021, Red Bull never had a consistent one-two pairing out near the front. So that was my kind of take on that leading into the last five laps because Mercedes didn't quite know what to do. Eventually, they ended up pitting Lewis Hamilton and he went on to get the fastest lap. Yeah. But they seemed stuck for a bit. Yeah, I don't... Because I also think anyone would be stuck and we're just used to Mercedes always not... Never being in that situation of being stuck. Yep. Okay, I'm good to move on to the last five laps and the results, mate. Have yeah. you got anything else? Um, No, I think that's it. Oh, it was just... Uh, I don't know if it's important, but it was just more uh, it being at the Red Bull ring and Max in front and winning last year. Is there much of a home field advantage? There is now, I'd say. There Before is? that, it was Lewis. Because does he practice there, in a sense? or No, because the Red Bull team is based in England. Um, that's where their factory is. So there's no real home home field of it is their home gp and you get yeah. home support as for is it the same as footy where there is a genuine <laughs> measurable home field advantage <laughs> no it's just that it's a home field advantage now because max has won the last yeah. two years because the last two years red bull has been yeah. consistent and better i'm pretty like the next uh next week there's the austrian two race yeah the race that, which i watched <laughs> yeah the race that you prepared for and it was a sea of orange they showed up and that really seemed like a home field yep. advantage. It was pretty dead. I'm not sure if that was still COVID restrictions or why it wasn't. It I can't even remember. It was a long yeah, time ago was, now, wasn't it? It was. All right, let's move on to our the last five lap dash and see what we have. We'll begin with the running order for the last five laps. We have Verstappen running away with it. Hamilton, who's run away from everybody else but Verstappen in second. Bottas, Perez, Norris, Sainz, Leclerc, Stroll, Alonso, Sonoda, Vettel, Raikkonen, Ricardo, Ocon, Giovinazzi, Mick Schumacher, Latifi, and Mazepin. Um, I just want to mention some Sonoda because I don't think we have mentioned him at all yet. Not at all. But I reckon I don't think we saw him at all on the race on the on the Sky Racing um, broadcast. But great to get him in the points as a rookie. I I like Sonoda. I'm glad he's. We started Definitely. off the season with a bang in uh, 
Bahrain, and then he struggled quite a bit. Good seeing him racing. I like him, he, he, and he was quite decent in F2. But, yeah, very, very quiet race on the broadcast in regards to Sonoda. Just kind of bummed around in the in the late bottom ends of the points and then towards out of the points a little bit. As we already mentioned, Max had run away with it at this point. Lap 69 was the first few drops of rain on the track. It was mentioned by Norris that he said, yep, I've got a few drops on my visor. And they went, don't worry about it, man. We're that close to the end. We'll be sweet. Lewis Hamilton boxed for the fastest lap, put on a set of softs, 2.7 seconds stop. By this stage, stop time was completely irrelevant. Um, he had a few laps to go towards the end, and that's when he really put his foot down and engaged yeah, uh, hammer time. I think, yeah, he had to go through the pack, and then once he got through the pack, he had two laps to get that fastest lap. Start of the final lap, he got into the clear air, started lap 71, and he just absolutely mm. sent it because he got the fastest lap with the checkered flag. Yeah. And it was good seeing him get... Because I tell you what, with clear air, that Mercedes just absolutely and, flies. And, and a, um, an empty tank of fuel. Yeah, and run, <laughs> running on the last few jobs of fuel. Mm-hmm. And on a really nice sticky set of track, oh, tires on a track that's nice and worn in. So he put that down. Final lap, not a huge amount happened. I guess the only thing that was going on was the Perez v. Bottas battle. Yeah. Which was kind of exciting. He didn't quite catch him. Didn't quite get it. I think well, if there I was like one more strategy. lap. Yeah. One he, more lap, he would have had him. Yeah. I think so too. And before that, we see we were seeing the climb through the pack and we there was mentions of a blue flags and stuff like that. And they weren't giving the blue flags, which there was a lot of talk from Crofty. That was specifically with Bottas and Ricardo. So... Blue flags are shown to a driver who is out of sync with the leading driver. So essentially you're about to be lapped. But the way it's supposed to go is the car behind the leading car, ironically, (laughs) has to be making significant gains and be within passing distance for blue flags to be shown. And for quite a few laps, Bottas couldn't quite get the speed to get his nose close enough to justify blue flags, he kind of got stuck in a little bit of a pocket okay. where Before, he wasn't wasn't yeah. close enough for the marshals to be like, well, Danny, you have to move because Bottas wasn't there yeah. needing... Because I was... Cause neither were affecting each other's race no. enough for it to be justified. But then do they, they get DRS off their leading car? So if he stayed behind him, in fact, it would be kind of... As fast, but then yeah, I guess you see yeah, I Perez. So. It's just more Perez was coming up, and then it's just like it was more that Perez was <laughs> yeah, hunting might, him down. He, he might not be like, there, but he's going to be there in a few laps time. And you and, wa- you, and, and you, you did want- see it. It did come down to like near the end. Yeah, last few corners he was right on his back. Uh coming over the line, Max Verstappen won significantly with burnouts. Yeah, he slowed down, <laughs> did a little burnout over the line. Lewis Hamilton second, VB roll uh, rounded out the podium. Sergio Perez fourth place. So. Red Bull, Mercedes, Mercedes, Red Bull. Lando Norris in a fifth place for McLaren. Very, very good points there. Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc, six and seven for Ferrari. Very well. That's, yeah, great weekend for them. Yep, absolutely. Bang on. Lance Stroll. Also great weekend. Yeah, surprisingly pretty good for him. He didn't do much through the race, but he ended up coming through and scoring some points. Fernando Alonso and Yuki Tsunoda followed. Kimi Raikkonen, just outside the points, 
still still always where things are happening and he never always, and he's just cruising yeah but he's always right where things are happening sebastian vettel so the two legends just racing each other like they did back in the day daniel ricardo disappointingly yeah couple of places out of the points it's just sad that he, his engine did have that slow down and that was crucial for him yeah in the position and early in the season so you know still adapting to the car it was just from where he was running to where he ended up it was quite a disappointing yeah. race and for just him. with his first lap he's always good so good in his first first lap oh yeah straight and, off the beginning yeah esteban ocon antonio giovanetti mick schumacher nicholas latifi and nikita mazepin rounded out the 20. so mazepin who looked like he was making some moves early on in the race must have either burned out his tires or just didn't quite have the race stamina or something happened because he ended up slipping back down to last yeah so not but much from him over 72 laps you really do see that that car is just not as good yeah, not good at all. Antonio Giovinazzi, again, low compared to his teammate Raikkonen, just didn't quite... Another one of the races where he just didn't quite do anything. Yeah. Like, the car yeah. isn't... Was never going to be, like, a, a, a midfield yeah. competitive car, but at least regularly, you know, coming where Raikkonen yeah. does, which is, like, 10th and 11th. Oh, like, I love Italian Jesus, but he got fired for a reason. Yeah, just... <laughs> And the worst part was we saw him get some opportunities and then continually have things go wrong in those opportunities. George Russell retired with a technical issue and Pierre Gasly had his wheel blown off. So he also didn't make it. And that... That that was Syria. That was the Styrian Grand Prix. That's our review. So we haven't really written much for an outro, but if you do happen to listen to this... The only thing we could ask is whatever device you're on, if there is a way to provide feedback, we would really, really appreciate that. And if not, please get involved on our social medias. We're at Formula Bums on pretty much everything. And we really, really are kind of hoping that people engage and talk with us. Let us know what you think. Let us know whether this format made sense or we should switch it up to something that's a little bit more involved. We kind of want this show to grow and suit the listening needs of the people who are out there because there is plenty of Formula One media. And it is, this is my second year doing uh, Formula One, just watching it. Um, And I'm new and I just want to get other people involved and and then kind of build some, there's things that I still don't know and and intrigued. I just kind of want to share that as well. And um, yeah, I reckon Jack's a great head to pick. Yeah. Bit of a nut when it comes to the sport. But I think with that, mate, yeah. Let's wrap up for the let's do it. Yeah. For the review. Thank you. All right, guys. That'll do it.